Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Okay, next time you feel you buy something from Amazon, you can feel better about it. They're paying all their employees, including part-timers, $15 an hour. That's a lot better than the $7.25 the federal government pays. What do you say? Hello, everybody. It's a Wednesday, Wednesday, October 3rd. Hello, 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 and how good to see you today, and good to have you with us as we start out here. And for the next two hours, we're going to be romping through the day's headlines, uh, and uh, there's a lot of big news today. On top of all the Brett Kavanaugh stuff that continues with uh, Christine Ford, Brett Kavanaugh's accuser, uh, saying to the FBI, Pardon me, to the FBI, hey, I'm the one who started this whole thing. I'm the one who raised this issue. Why the hell aren't you talking to me? Believe it or not, the FBI conducting this investigation so far without any intention of talking to one of the two main characters in the whole drama. What the hell is going on? And on top of that, the New York Times, uh, telling us something really that we already knew, that Donald Trump is a total colossal fraud, that everything he has said about being a self-made man is baloney. It is bunk. He got a lot more than $1 million from his father, and he has been cheating the government on his taxes his entire life. Ah, We'll tell you all about that and a whole lot more. And... Look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day. Send us your comments, as always, on Twitter, at BP Show. But first, this is the Full Court Press. All righty, here we go, Bill. Baseball season, uh, the postseason, is officially underway. Last night was the wild card game between the Chicago Cubs and the Colorado Rockies. Winner goes to the playoffs, loser goes home. It went to the 13th inning in a 
four hour, 55 minute game. And it came down to the Colorado Rockies bringing up their third string catcher, Tony Walters, who is one of the worst hitters in baseball. But then this happened. The pitch. Base hit into center field by Tony Walters. Home comes Story. Part of third. The Rockies have regained the lead. Two to one in the top of the 13th. Tony Walters with the biggest hit of his career. The Rockies have the lead. And that sends the Rockies into the postseason, and it sends the filthy Chicago Cubs home. Oh, no, no. Don't call them filthy They're Cubs. Terrible. No. I hate the Cubs. But the, As a Nationals I, I fan, you have to hate the Cubs. No, well, for the Nats aren't in it. I love the Cubs. But the, didn't they win the World Series last year? Uh, a couple years ago. A couple years, a couple years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Cubbies. But yeah, anyhow, so, okay. But they are home. They are home now. Uh, by the way, today is the day. We've talked about this before because there was supposed to be another test date for this. But today is the day. The emer- FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, will be conducting its presidential alert test to all electronic devices. 225 million electronic devices across the United States will get the alert directly from, this would be from Donald Trump, so that he can send his presidential alerts to us. Yeah, It's going to happen at 2.18 p.m. Eastern Time today. Again, it's going to be a presidential alert that will read, quote, this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. No action is needed. They say that in the event that there is a serious situation, I actually don't think that this is a terrible idea for any other president, that they could push something to your phone in case of an emergency. And this would be like a very serious emergency uh, that they could get the message out to it. I, I think I'm going to respond back, Trump must go. <laughs> yeah. You can put this on the list of the 100 yeah, reasons right. why Trump must go because he's is, another one. sending he's, me direct messages. He's screwing up with my phone. Against right? my will. Stay off my phone. Yeah, I don't Junk like mail. it. Junk mail. Junk mail. That's what it is. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. Follow the money. Yep, when you follow the money for Donald Trump, you find out he's a total fraud. New York Times, great job, great investigation, a powerful story. That dropped last night. The White House is scrambling to try to respond. All they can do, of course, is attack the New York Times. That's what they always do, attack their uh, critics uh, rather than answering the questions or uh, responding to the allegations, but it is a blockbuster story uh, showing that Donald Trump is no self-made man. He was totally set up from the time he was a toddler by his daddy and fed money like other babies are fed breast milk. Hey, what do you say, everybody? Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Wednesday. It is Wednesday, October 3rd, if you can believe it. And we are coming to you live, as always, from our studio on Capitol Hill here in Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day on every front, the latest on Brett Kavanaugh, uh, latest on Kavanaugh himself, on the Senate plans to force a vote. I mean, God, they are in such a hurry to get this thing through. What does Mitch McConnell know? He's got to know something bad about, about Brett Kavanaugh, and he is panicked to get this damn vote over 
before whatever it is uh, leaks out. He's going to try to. He wants Kavanaugh on the court. So the only way when this leaks out that we can get rid of him is to impeach him. Otherwise, otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, you can't explain McConnell's actions. At any rate, we got all that to deal with. Yes, indeed. Amazon shaking things up yesterday, paving the way for a lot of other American companies by saying they're going to pay 15 bucks to everybody who works in that store, full-time or part-time. Uh, <coughs> and Donald Trump, after calling her a credible witness just a couple of days ago last night, takes to the stage in Mississippi to help mercilessly mock Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. I, what took him so long, I guess, is the answer to that. At any rate, you see, lots and lots on our plate today with a good lineup of guests and, of course, all of you as we join you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Joining you on Free Speech TV and on the radio statewide in Indiana on Indiana Talks and all over Chicago and the greater Chicago area on the one and only WCPT. Yes, let's take a look at this New York Times story. Here's the deal. So remember, Donald Trump said this all the time. I built what I built. I am what I am. I built what I built, baby. Yeah. Yeah, my daddy gave me a million dollars, he said. Yeah, Fred. Fred. Just Fred. a measly, yeah, a measly me a, now, million dollars. You must, you must admit, <laughs> the million's a lot more than my daddy gave me and probably your daddy gave you. Um. But that's what Donald Trump said he got from his father. Who is this gazillionaire, right, Fred Trump, big real estate mogul, uh, of course, in New York. And Donald Trump has said everything after that going up to, what did he say is $10 billion? Didn't he say it was worth $10 billion? Yeah, that's what yeah. he claims. That, so he got a million, yeah, but he said everything else, he did it himself. He made it himself. It was, he's, he's a totally self-made billionaire. Surprise, surprise, surprise. That is the latest big lie that we know Donald Trump has told. Again, thanks to the New York Times. And they find here in a nutshell, what they find is that over the years, uh, Donald Trump has taken, first of all, that he got a lot more than a million dollars from his father. Uh, he got actually a total, are you ready for this, of $413 million dollars through various schemes from his father, on which he paid practically nothing in taxes. So what the New York Times points out is a series, a whole cascade of tax schemes, total outright fraud, and tax evasion throughout the uh, 1980s and 1990s on the part of Donald Trump and Already, the New York State tax authorities are saying uh, they're going to start looking into this, and so is the IRS. We've always said about Donald Trump, with all this Russian investigation, all the, uh, uh, I, the look, looking at charges of collusion or obstruction of justice, that what we've talked about this several times on the program, what ultimately might bring Donald Trump down is not all the Russian stuff, it's the money, the funny money, uh, follow the money, and here we go with the first big uh, block of evidence of that on all of this fraud and tax evasion. So uh, $413 million. 
get this. Um, Fred Trump set up 295 different ways in which he was funneling money to Donald Trump. Now, he gave money to all of his siblings, but for some reason, and one brother died, uh, but for some reason, Donald Trump was the one that he saw as the real heir apparent. Donald Trump was really Fred Jr. And so he funneled most of the money to Trump, and Trump was designated as the one who was going to take over the business empire. Um, uh, out of those 295 different sources of revenue that were coming into Trump as a kid and as a grown-up, uh, they paid a total of 5% in taxes when the going rate at the time was 55% for somebody at that level. They paid 5%. Yeah. It's cheat. This guy's a big cheat and a big fraud and a big scam. Uh, the he headline in the, uh, in, in the New York Times editorial this morning is, Donald Trump, self-made sham, <laughs> not self-made man. So um, how extensive was it? The Times points out that by the age of three, so here's one thing that Fred uh, Trump would do. He would buy a piece of land to build a big new building on. Then he would give the land to his kids. Uh, and then he would sign a deal to a foundation and the kids were the trustees of the foundation, like at the age of three, even. Little kids. They'd be the trustees of the foundation. Uh, of course, they'd have lawyers signing their papers for them. And then Fred would rent the land from the foundation and, pay, and start paying the kids all this money, by the way. And since the money was going to the foundation, he didn't have to pay taxes on it because it would be a charitable contribution. I mean, you see the whole scam. Um. So at the age of three, all right, Donald Trump was getting $200,000 a year from his father. The age of three. Now, Peter, I don't think you probably helped Gray and Magnus out quite to that extent. No, not quite that much. No, okay. Not quite that much. By the age of eight, Donald Trump was a millionaire. <laughs> uh, in the... In, when he in, during his forties and fifties, Donald Trump f was getting from his father five million dollars a year. This whole thing, this whole thing about self-made man, it is a total sham. So actually, what we're finding out is that, uh, to use the old line in New York, Donald Trump made money the old-fashioned way. He inherited it. Yeah, all of it. He inherited it. Right? Total, total fraud. Let me just read you the beginnings of the uh, of the New York Times article. Uh, by the way, that, that this this research has been going on for a long time. Um, and boy, Pulitzer Prize, bring it out for these guys: David Barstow, Suzanne Craig, and Russ Butner. President Trump participated in dubious tax schemes during the 1990s. President Trump, not the father. President Trump including instances of outright fraud that greatly increased the fortune he received from his parents. Mr. Trump won the presidency proclaiming himself a self-made billionaire, and he's long insisted that his father, the legendary New York City builder Fred Trump, provided almost no financial help. But the Times investigation 
based on a vast trove of confidential tax returns and financial records, reveals that Mr. Trump received the equivalent today of at least $413 million from his father's real estate empire starting when he was a toddler and continuing all the way to today. He's still getting money and not paying taxes on it from his father's estate today. Again, total, total, total scam. These guys are grifters of the worst order. Um, now, this does raise the question, uh, number one, about why was he able to get off? He had good lawyers, but why didn't the tax agencies pick this up a long time ago? Why didn't the IRS do something about this? Why didn't the New York State Attorney General do something about this? Um, but now that the Times has done this investigation, don't you think it's uh, even more critical that uh, Donald Trump releases tax returns? Uh, I'll tell you one thing. Now Fat we know. Chance. Now we know why he yeah. didn't release his tax returns. Could have would, would have proved that he'd been lying all along about being a self-made millionaire, a self-made billionaire. Uh, but I think this this will increase the pressure. Yeah, and I keep. Playing. I can't believe. I've been told flat out by people who who know that Robert Mueller has his tax returns. Yeah. I just can't believe that nobody else has them and they haven't gotten out. But you know, I, I keep coming back to that this is moment incredible. in the in the debates where Hillary Clinton said, you know, you're not paying your taxes. You're not paying your fair share. You're not paying your taxes. And he just said, yeah, it's because I'm smart. Mm-hmm. I'm smart, well, yeah, so I don't pay too, taxes. Right. I'm smart. I figure out how to get around this stuff. I'm smart. I don't have to deal with this stuff. And this is a sad comment, but I think a lot of his base agrees with those. Oh, comments. they love it. They don't want to pay taxes oh, either. Yeah. They want. And they everything. don't want to have to deal with this. No, they want everything from the government. Yeah, but so, but not but, pay for it. But not pay for it exactly. And by the way, th- this also it, you, you, this 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 not only shows why he won't release his tax returns, it shows why he is so eager to give bigger tax cuts, bigger tax cuts, bigger tax cuts to the wealthiest because he's been doing it all of his life even reduce, re, re, reducing the, the minimum tax burden that they have anymore. Uh, you know, they did those uh, temporary tax cuts last year. Now they want to make them permanent. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a, you can see the, the reasoning uh, behind it. Um, at any rate, um, this, I think there will be more and more on this story as it comes out every day, but it just broke, uh, just broke last night, and it is huge. Uh, so, what was Donald Trump up to yesterday? No good, as always. Um, <laughs> uh, he started out up on his way to uh, Philadelphia, and uh, before he jumps on uh, Marine One, he went up to speak to the National Electric Contractors in Philadelphia. Um, you know, with the Me Too movement out there, the March on Washington, uh, the big March on, uh, Women's March on Washington, and all the stories that we've heard about um, so many men who've been brought down by charges of sexual abuse, sexual assault, sexual harassment by women, and the Me Too movement just getting started. What's the message for that? Uh, Is it that women are finally being taken seriously in these charges of sexual assault? No, 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 not for Donald Trump. The message for Donald Trump is, this is a scary time for men. It's a very scary time for young men in America when you can be uh, guilty of something that you may not be guilty of. This is a very, very, this is a very difficult time. Oh, yeah, that's the message. Yeah. When we hear about 
what Bill O'Reilly was doing and Charlie Rose was doing and Matt Halperin and Matt Lauer and, and you go down the list, right? Roger Ailes, uh, Les Moonves, Harvey Weinstein. That's the message I got away from that. Boy, this is a scary time for men. You know, I, no, it's not. It, not it, if you're treating women decently. That That's a remarkable thing to say. It's really a remarkable thing to say. And it's it like I don't want to say that false accusations never happen, but they but, are so unbelievably rare. Yeah. That a false accusation uh, happens. And you compare that to the number of actual sexual assault. Uh let's start with Donald Trump, right? <laughs> yeah, right. But about 20 women have accused him of sexual assault, not harassment. Assault. One of those cases is still the you know, the the, the uh, statute of limitations has expired on most of them. He, he said he was going to sue every one of them. Really called every one of them a liar. Never did. Uh, to keep reminding people, one of those cases of sexual assault against the president of the United States is actively moving through the New York State Supreme uh, Superior Court. And then, of course, we've got Stormy Daniels and Carrie McDougal out there, who were paid hush money, admittedly, by Donald Trump. To keep quiet about, uh, they don't accuse him of sexual assault, but just affairs that he had while he was married uh, to, uh, just married to Melania. So, I mean, this is a guy who said a scary time for men. You're going to be falsely accused. Yeah, he's not been falsely accused. He's just been outed as the scum that he is. Uh, Donald Trump again saying, no, this is terrible because all these people are innocent. You could be somebody that was perfect your entire life. And somebody could accuse you of something. Doesn't necessarily have to be a woman, as everybody says, but somebody could accuse you of something and you're automatically guilty. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. I, That's a message. That's a message, men. Scary time for men. Mm-hmm. Our, our, our next guest, uh, Aswin Soup, saying, tweeted about this yesterday, and he just sent out a tweet copying, uh, 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 quoting Donald Trump's uh, comments there and just saying, Central Park Five, Central Park Five, Central Park Five, Central Park Five. Talk about yeah, good. somebody who was uh, accused of something that they were not guilty of. So when Donald Trump yeah, talks about yeah. these these yeah. young men being automatically guilty, he's not talking about all young men. He's talking about white men, not yeah. the Central Park Five, which good. he accused of something they were not guilty of. Aswin Subsang from Daily Beast joining us next. We'll, we'll, we'll get his comments on that for sure. Yeah, in, in, indeed. You know, I, I my rule is this. If a woman accuses a man of sexual assault, a good rule is believe the woman. 99.9% of the time, you're going to be right. Yeah, going to be just right. look at the odds. Yeah, and I, I said before, I believe Monica Lewinsky. I believe Kathleen Woolley. I believe Stormy Daniels. I believe Karen McDougal. I believe Christine Blasey Ford. I believe Deborah Ramirez. I believe Julie Swetnick. Uh, I think they're all telling the truth. Uh, that, I mean, the only c- one case I can remember recently where it turned out the other way was that case down at the University of Virginia. Remember that, and, and uh, I forget, Rolling Stone carried that? Yeah. And Rolling Stone did a lousy job of reporting. Yeah. They took one girl's story and ran with it and blew it up and didn't do the checking. Uh, and turned out to be a totally fraudulent story. I cannot, I'm seriously, that's the only one I remember of all these cases and stories that we've heard. So, good rule. Believe the woman and 
You're going to yeah. be right. I mean, you know, you're, you're they, the they right talk side. about the false accusations. And again, you know, <clears throat> sure, it happens. But it's not, it, this rarely. is, it's so, so, so rare. And we have so many other stories of men yes. doing it. Yes. I mean, again, not even, let's just take the partisan politics out of it, right? Like, let's just say you're a gambler. Just look at the odds. Just look at the odds of what is actually going to be true. Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, then uh, Donald Trump uh, went to Philadelphia, as we said. Then he went down to Mississippi, another one of these great big rallies here where they get their supporters together. Of course, in Mississippi, it wasn't hard to get the Donald Trumpers together. Uh, and, and he's introduced by Phil Bryant, the governor of Mississippi, who, of course, uh, was told what the White House. Now, this is what Donald wants to hear. This is what he wants you to say. And you will be his friend forever if you say this. This man has done more as president of the United States in two years than any president that I can ever remember or ever studied about. He is a remarkable man that is making America great again. Oh, God. Our big boy president my, has my done boy. such a good job here. He's better than Abe Lincoln ever was. Yeah, look at it right oh, here, oh, coming oh. up here on stage. <laughs> This big old moist boy we call president. Yeah, you forget Franklin Delano Roosevelt. <laughs> oh, God. And then the crowd. Okay, I mean, talk about sick. Yeah. We want Kavanaugh. We want Kavanaugh. We want Kavanaugh. We want Kavanaugh. Oh, God. So brain dead. But uh, Ford, I mean, Trump, of course, he gets right into it now. He picks it up. So this is a guy, two or three days ago, remember, uh, end of last week, when she testified, uh, Donald Trump said, she seemed really credible, you know, and yeah, like a nice lady, which surprised the hell out of us because his typical attitude when any anybody criticism, criticizes him, especially a woman, is to insult, to mock, you know, to just mercilessly attack uh, any woman, particularly particularly women, making fun of them. I mean, look, Diane Feinstein, Maxine Waters, you know, go down the list, right? Uh, and, but suddenly he's treating Christine Blasey Ford with a little bit of respect. And we figure, well, somebody in the White House got to him. <laughs> yeah, well, <clears throat> if they did, it wore off pretty quickly because he can't help himself last night totally mocking uh, Dr. Ford. I had one beer. Well, do you think it was... Nope, it was one beer. Oh, good. How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and he goes on, same fashion, because the crowd, of course, loves it. What neighborhood was it in? I don't know. Where's the house? I don't know. Upstairs, downstairs, where was it? I don't know. But I had one beer. That's the only thing I remember. Ah, how disgusting. Totally disgusting. I mean, you know, that woman, Christi, Dr. Christine Ford, she was so believable. She was so real. She was so credible. She was so candid and so honest and embarrassed by the fact and admitted that she was embarrassed by the fact that she couldn't remember more. It was 36 years ago. And she said, I can't remember. And by the way, she said, if, I, if the FBI talked to me, that might help me remember some things. Uh, and she also explained, I thought, very convincingly, being an 
teaching psychology and being an expert on uh, after certain trauma, what parts of the brain click in and what parts don't and what parts get lost and what parts of the brain she I couldn't even understand some of the terms that she was using, stuff she was talking about. But all the experts agree she had it right on. She explained why she couldn't remember some things. And then Donald Trump just making fun of her. This is like his mocking the disabled New York Times reporter. It's exactly. That's a, that that was the thought I had. Yeah. It's the same tone. Yeah. It's the same tenor. Anybody, same with any, anybody with any disability, right, or any little problem, what do you do? You mock them. You make fun of them. Just like a schoolyard bully, just totally, totally, totally disgusting. Uh, on the other, on another front, uh, part of that uh, Kavanaugh story, um, we keep finding out more. I'm telling you again, Mitch McConnell knows something about Brett Kavanaugh. That is that is why he's rushing this vote now. He's insisting still. The latest is they're trying to say the FBI investigation will be over today, Wednesday. They're supposed to take a week. They've had four days so far. They want to get it over today so they can vote on Friday. All right. Now, along the way to that, they still have not interviewed Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Okay, let's 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 back up here, right? Brett Kavanaugh was on his on the freight train to confirmation until Dr. Christine Blasey Ford raised these allegations and until the Senate was forced, Senate Judiciary Committee, Mitch, Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grimes, were forced to hold another hearing, right? And Christine, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford testifies in the morning, Brett Kavanaugh in the afternoon, and then we have these other periphery witnesses that didn't get to appear. And so Jeff Flake says, uh, I can't vote. I'm going to vote out of the committee, but I can't vote on the floor until we have an FBI investigation. And they start talking to people. How could they do – how could an FBI conduct an investigation and not talk to – the chief accuser, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford. Yes, she testified, but there are a lot of other, as, as she herself said, there are a lot of other questions that they could ask that they could get into back, you know, that's what these investigators do that might help her, in addition to what they heard from other people, help her nail down where the house was, what they, the, the, or at least what little, maybe during the week or what time frame this could have happened. That's what I keep coming back to. Things. That's what I keep coming back to. He has it on his calendar yeah. that corroborates her story, which clearly so, they did not talk ahead of time. Uh, and she told her part of the story and he showed his calendar. And on the calendar, there's something that, ver- that makes it very clear. And she said, if they could find out and help me find out when he was working, because I saw him at the Potomac Safeway, right? That one might sort of help me. I just can't believe. They don't they're, – they're not going to talk to her. Her attorney yesterday said, we have asked several times for the FBI to interview Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, and they won't do it. Why not? I said this yesterday. I'm afraid it's true. I think this whole FBI report, this investigation, is another total sham, another total farce. Uh, and that was particularly reinforced for me – when Mitch McConnell and Chuck Grassley yesterday both said this report will not be made public. So what they're doing is, mark my words, they are, they are just providing a cover for Jeff Flake, Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, maybe even Joe Manchin to say, we read the FBI report and this is enough for us. There's nothing there. This is enough for us to vote yes on Kavanaugh. I'm, I'm afraid that's what's going to happen. 
and we will never know because we won't see the report. And that, to me, is outrageous. We, the American people, deserve to see that report. I don't care if we saw ever, ever saw them in the past or not. In this case, there are too many questions. We should see that report. We're just getting started here, folks. Don't forget your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. Aswin Subsang joins us next. And then uh, Kevin Robiar will be along from HuffPost. And Ben Schreckinger is back at Politico uh, joining us as well. A quick break. We'll be right back with Aswin Subsang. This is the Bill Press Show. All right, you got it. Wednesday, October 3rd. Hello, hello, hello. And uh, welcome back to the program. And welcome to those of you just joining us here at the Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, where we are brought to you today by the American Brotherhood of Teamsters. Yes, indeed, the good members of the Teamsters Union under President Jim Hoffa. We all live better because of their good work. Check out their website at Teamster. Dot org And while you're going online, don't forget, God, more true than ever, Trump must go. Okay, my new book, just out less than a month, uh, hot off the shelves, the top 100 reasons to dump Trump and one to keep him. And the best thing is you go to our website, BillPressShow.com. Not only can you uh, find out uh, where you can get a copy of the book, a signed copy of the book, but also... You can add your own reasons, and boy, we got to add a couple today, right? Number one hundred. He just, he's mocked Christine Blasey Ford, uh, mercilessly mocking her last night at this rally in uh, uh, in uh, Mississippi. Uh, that's one hundred and one, at least one hundred and two. Uh, he's been lying his entire life about how much money he got from his daddy, calling himself a self-made self-made billionaire when in fact he was propped up from the age of three by his father and is still getting money from his father's estate. So we can keep adding to the list. You can do so um, at BillPressShow.com. But most importantly, first of all, you've got to get your hands on a copy of the book, BillPressShow.com. Um, Peter, we've got some uh, comments so far from yes, all indeed. the things yes. we've been talking about. Yes, indeed. We're on Twitter at BP Show at BP Show. Let's take a look at some comments. Ka- on Kavanaugh, someone says, uh, this is all about getting Trump's protect- protection scheme in place. That's what a lot of people have been saying about, oh, you know. Oh, yeah, Kavanaugh's got to be on the court because Kavanaugh because believes the president, president can't be held liable yeah. for any crimes that he may have committed because he's president of the United States. And he's above the law, according to Kavanaugh's reading of the law. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Also on Twitter, KG says, watch for the FBI to issue an inconclusive report that will favor Kavanaugh. The FBI is a nest of misogyny. And don't expect the FBI to hold Trump accountable for his treason either. Uh, Also, Walker Ogden says, we, the electorate, can't see the (laughs) FBI report, assuming it uh, it covers the most important items because we might believe alternative facts and also don't forget that we are on youtube youtube.com slash the bill press show you can find us there k Mello says if you ever wanted to see trump's true colors just go to one of his clan slash daddy needs love rallies i guess that's how you can categorize the thing that happened in mississippi last night if you have a comment find us online either on twitter at bp show or youtube youtube.com slash the bill press show all right. Thank you, Peter, and thank you all for your comments. Keep them coming. Uh, there's so much to talk about these days on so many fronts, uh, and uh, you have your own reaction to them. Send us your comments on Twitter, at uh, BP Show. Join me 
in welcoming uh, to the studio our good friend from uh, Daily Beast, very busy with the Kavanaugh story and everything else in the news, Aswin Subsang, recently married. Hello, Aswin. Has in, what's it, six months so far? Since June. Since June. Okay. Mm-hmm. No life. complaints so far. <laughs> no complaints. So I don't know why more people don't do it. All right. There you go. Good to see you. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. What What, what is your take on this FBI investigation? Now we know it's not even going to last a week. They think it's going to be over by today, and then they're going to force a vote by Friday, and we're not going to get to read the report after all. And they haven't even talked to Dr. Christine Ford, and they seem to refuse to do so. Well, what is this? Is this for real, or is this just show? Well, I mean, it's it's for real, but um, in a weird way, we're getting exactly what we were told we were going to get, which is why, like last week, when. Uh, certain Democrats were putting all of their eggs in the uh, FBI investigation basket. Um, it seems sort of weird to me, just as a political observer, as a reporter, because uh, people were saying who knew how these things went, um, including Democratic lawmakers themselves, when they were like, oh, this only lasts a few days. Like, what's the harm in doing it? Why, why aren't Republicans on our side for an FBI investigation? This isn't an in-depth criminal investigation. This isn't the Mueller probe or something. Yeah. This is yeah. uh, um, um, this is something modeled by the Democrats' own words after something that um, happened during the Anita Hill days, which lasted just a handful of days, three days. So um, personally, I was always confused when Democrats were hanging all of their hopes on this, even as a delaying, e- even if it was as Republicans were accusing them of as a delaying tactic because, it, it like, what do they think the FBI is going to find that they don't already know? Right. Um, is it um, – <clears throat> I, I, I believe the Anita Hill report was not made public, right? And so when they say that this this one will not be made, made public either. But isn't it sort of, I mean, to me, contradictory to the, what the whole process mm. is supposed to be about? I mean, they had Christine Ford – and um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh both testify publicly, not behind closed doors. So we heard their story. Why shouldn't we see the FBI report? Uh, that's a good question. Um, um, but, I mean, look, this entire process, including uh, the past few days, has been remarkably opaque. Uh, so, I, I mean, it seems pretty par for the course. And also details of the report, I mean, could leak from Capitol Hill. But at this point, um, I mean, I highly doubt and I'm extremely skeptical that this FBI report will turn up anything new. And the only thing that actually matters right now from a point of political calculus is uh, whatever political pressure is applied to senators such as Republicans Lisa Murkowski, Susan Collins, Jeff Flake, and also Democrats like, well, particularly one Democrat, uh, Joe, Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin, right. Um, so when people are going around um, saying that right now the only opinions that matter right now are Lisa Murkowski and Susan Collins, that's not far off of the truth. Yeah. Uh, it was revealed yesterday, every day, a little more de- more insights, I guess, into Brett Kavanaugh, high school student, college student, come out. Um, the CNN released uh, yesterday a letter from um, that Brett Kavanaugh wrote to some friends 
um, back in 1983, where and he has he has played down how much drinking he did. Right, he said, "I like beer, but you know, I only drank maybe on the weekends. Never blacked out. Never drank that extent." He actually, in this letter that he wrote to some friends in 1983, uh, called himself and described himself and his friends as loud, obnoxious drunks with prolific pukers. Uh, And he signed the letter Bart, which, of course, is a reference to, I guess that was his nickname, because in the book that he wrote about his high school drinking, excessive drinking, Mark Judge, Kavanaugh's friend, does talk about his best friend, Bart. Oh, Kavanaugh. Hey, I, w- I want to play a clip really quickly yeah. uh, from Mitch McConnell yesterday when he was talking about uh, all the drinking. Now that they were focusing so much on the drinking, here's what, here's what Mitch McConnell had to say about it. Maybe we'll hear the real issue is not these uncorroborated allegations of misconduct after all, but rather the fact that Judge Kavanaugh, now listen to this, drank beer in high school and in college. And he thinks that that's the issue. Yeah, he's obviously deliberately mocking the whole thing. Now, we're not just talking about the fact that the guy had a beer in high school. We're talking about the fact most of it, a lot of, I wouldn't say maybe most, but a lot of his high school and college classmates have Mm -hmm. come out to say he was a really excessive, sloppy binge drinker. Right, and look, like whether he did that in high school or college is sort of immaterial to me, like a lot of people. Um, it's not. Have, wait, 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 if, wait, wait, wait. If you wait, get so drunk that you don't remember raping a girl or trying to rape a girl. Sure, of course. Um, but but the general concept of, oh, drinking a lot in high school or college that you black out is not the actual issue with regards to Judge Brett Kavanaugh. It's uh, what you actually – it's what you just talked about. And also if he lied about it. Precisely. While yes. testifying – um, on Capitol Hill, which is a crime, which yes. is uh, uh, essentially tantamount to lying under oath if if you're on the stand. And uh, what strikes people and why they're investigating um, so much into his drinking and um, uh, teen years or college behavior right now, uh, irrespective of uh, the alleged attempted rape, is because it, 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 it seems so weird that a man who is right now going through a job interview to be one of the nine people in the highest court of the land would lie about something so petty. Right. And uh, while doing so while testifying in front of a panel of legislators, uh, legislators, which again, as we mentioned earlier, is against the law. Um, so there's a lot of noise right now about uh, Judge Kavanaugh's alleged binge drinking in his uh, college and high school years. Um, but I think we have to put that uh, in context right now, which, A, as you point out, is not nearly as important as um, uh, the uh, attempted rape allegation against him. And also, it's not about his drinking or blacking out, which is not in itself um, disqualifying, of course. Right. It's that he would lie or potentially lie about it on Capitol Hill. Right. Now, yesterday, so... What are we to make about, uh, here we go, uh, we've had all these other cases uh, over the last year and a half of um, very famous men um, being accused of 
uh, either sexual assault, sexual harassment, losing their jobs, you know the list as well as I. Then you've got these charges against Brett Kavanaugh. What does it all mean? To Donald Trump, uh, the lesson you take out of this whole series of events and out of the Me Too movement entirely. He spoke, he's, he talked about yesterday as he's leaving for Philadelphia, walking out to Marine One and saying, this is a, this is not, this does, the lesson we take, should take from this is not that this is a scary time for women or that women are finally being heard and people are finally paying attention to what they've been saying all along. No, here's Donald Trump's lesson. It's a very scary time for young men in America when you can be uh, guilty of something that you may not be guilty of. This is a very, very, this is a very difficult time. Very difficult time for young men. Yeah. Uh, in fact, he went on to say you can be, you're automatically guilty, right? Um, you could be somebody that was perfect your entire life. Like him. And somebody could accuse you of something. Doesn't necessarily have to be a woman, as everybody says, but somebody could accuse you of something and you're automatically guilty. People have even accused me of sexual assault. Yeah. Imagine that. Well, at this point, he is projecting because the president of the United States have has faced um, not one, not two, but numerous sexual assault and harassment allegations. Yeah. So um, which if, are still we, pending in the courts. Right. And if we view um, um, Trump through the lens of uh, just personal grievance and um, uh, selfishness, which is not an unfair way <laughs> to examine right. this president, of course he would pro be projecting himself onto the current um, uh, scandal um, um, involving his second Supreme Court nominee. Um, I honestly don't. I would be. It would be shocking news if he weren't examining this through the lens of himself. Um, but a weird thing about his, another weird thing of many weird things <laughs> about his statement on oh this is a really scary time for men, yada yada yada. Women are doing great. He has daughters. Like <laughs> when he's talking about this, yeah. as uh, someone who knows young or younger men and someone who has sons. He, he he has more than one daughter, and um, it's 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 yet another abdication of perspective and responsibility on behalf of this president. Well, it's reflected also in what Donald Jr. said a couple of days ago, who also has daughters and sons. That his what he his takeaway from the Me Too movement is: I fear for my sons, right? Because they may someday be accused of doing something they didn't do. He's right. not and afraid of his daughters being raped. He's mm. afraid that his son might be falsely accused of being raped. And this he is a playbook gotta... that not just the president, but Team Trump has run uh, multiple times, irrespective of um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, they ran it in late 2016 on Donald J. Trump himself. And of course, they won the presidency just by keeping their head down and deny, deny, deny. They tried to run it on Roy Moore, and of course, that uh, mm -hmm. ran to the ground with the election with um, um, uh, of Doug Jones. Uh, but this is this is something that Trump world and people who I've spoken to in the White House are regrettably used to. And by regrettably, I don't mean to show any sympathy for them. Yeah. All I'm saying is that it is yet another instance of a high-profile Republican figure 
uh, being saddled with sexual assault allegations that Trump world then has to mercilessly rally around. Well, we actually uh, quoted your tweet a little earlier today when you saw about this, first heard maybe this Donald Trump uh, new line of, uh, not so new, but the most recent line of attack, uh, that this isn't the first time he's come to the defense of uh, when it comes to it, we'll put it this way. When it comes to, so now he's saying these young white men might be falsely accused. Mm-hmm. He wasn't always so understanding or forgiving when it came to five young black men. I mean, this is an easy point to make, but it's a rather salient one in our current discussion that uh, Donald Trump publicly and repeatedly called for the execution and bringing back the death penalty uh, for for the. Um, multiple alleged rapists and attackers of the Central Park jogger, which was a huge case. In the the Central City Park Five, even if they were after they were found to be falsely charged and well, not guilty, he ran full page ads saying they're they are guilty. I, Donald Trump, say they are guilty and they should be executed. Well, I think this was um, before <clears throat> they were uh, uh, released. I think you'll find out that it but, was after they released both. No, no, no. The the. Um, the full page ad was before, but I think what happened after was during the campaign or after it. At, at some point, like v- very recently, uh, Trump was asked about it and he did not give an inch. He did not back down, even in the face of all of this um, uh, exoneration of these guys and their release uh, from prison. And uh, it, it begs the question that if you think it's such a scary time for young men and you are throwing all of your eggs into the basket of this, oh, presumption of in- innocence, specifically but because of Brett Kavanaugh. Why did you not afford this to this these young black men who had their lives ruined over a horrific crime that somebody else then confessed to? Right. Now, you have uh, one of the reasons I'm so glad you were able to come in today because um, you've been writing about something which I haven't seen too many people paying attention to, which is let's just assume that Brett Kavanaugh, which I think is more likely than not, does end up, despite all of this, on the court. Mm. That what impact this might have on the court, the reputation of the court, I guess, and his um, temperament, that a temperament that he brings to the court. And reputation he brings to the court. Well, I think something you'll uh, perhaps immediately trigger is um, Democrats and Democrat lawmakers making it a uh, campaign talking point that we, if you elect more of us and if you hand us back power, we will investigate and perhaps even impeach um, uh, Supreme Court Justice Kavanaugh. Um, and whether or not they actually do it, I think it's something that Democrats might calculate would be a potent uh, um, campaigning point for them. And beyond that, I think if this happens with the air of illegitimacy that Democrats really do believe is shrouding this whole affair, um, along with the stolen Supreme Court seat uh, that Justice Gorsuch took that um, Merrick Garland was denied Mm -hmm. by Mitch McConnell during the Obama years, I think there is a high probability that Democrats will take court packing um, as an actual issue that they haven't recently, because what they've seen is for decades, Republicans have weaponized 
very shrewdly in a way that Democrats have not. Um, um, uh, judicial nominees and Supreme Court nominees in a way that Democrats simply um, refuse to do or wouldn't do. And it's paid off massively for them. Um, in, in one respect, the presidency of Donald Trump, which may not have happened even if he hadn't repeatedly promised to his conservative base, some of which was very skeptical of him, that if you elect me and not Hillary Clinton, you will get all these people oh, yeah. who will rewrite laws for a generation through a conservative lens. Right. Um, <laughs> and I think Democrats have to play a lot of catch up to that um, in terms of perhaps even satisfying their liberal or left wing base. Right. And one way they could do that is proposing <laughs> court packing as um, an actual uh, prescription to if you uh, elect enough of us and if you elect us president. Now, um, with the current landscape, especially if Judge Kavanaugh gets on the bench, I think that is highly likely as something you'll see trotted out or mainstreamed by right. establishment Democrats. Uh, and, you know, with all the qu questions remaining, and let's face it, there are some a lot of unanswered questions and details we don't know. Uh, surrounding Dr. Blasey Ford's accusations, uh, I, I see more and more, maybe because of what you say, the impact on the court, more and more people are talking, they're not forgetting Dr. Blasey Ford, they're also saying, separate and apart from that, there are very legitimate issues about Kep Brett, that Brett Kavanaugh that demand examination, like his honesty, his credibility, did he lie about some other things in front of the court, uh, what about his extreme partisanship that he demonstrated, for sure? What about his general temperament? Uh, uh, and those are issues that, that, that they say, based on those issues alone, even if nothing is proven about the Christine Ford allegation, he doesn't deserve to be on the court. You see more people considering, you know, uh, Kavanaugh himself, if you will? And um, yes, uh, Absolutely. And also, like you were saying, like, even if um, you, there's no smoking gun in terms of right. the uh, Dr. Ford allegations, exactly. the way he conducted himself and the way he um, alleged in a rather Trumpian mold a <laughs> uh, left wing conspiracy against him during his Capitol Hill Revenge testimony, of the Clintons. Right. Is um, raises at least one or two red flags. Mm hmm. Especially for someone who is, and again, like his Republican defenders say the term due process over and over and over again as if it has some relevance to this current debate. This isn't a due process question. He's not on trial. He's not facing jail time or even a, a, a no. fine for a crime right It's now. a job interview. It's he a gets job a job interview. or he doesn't. And so many people across this country get denied jobs they want for accusations or or information uh, far less severe and far less explosive uh, than what we're going through right now with Judge Kavanaugh. Or, and he's interviewing to be one of the nine, nine he, out of hundreds of millions of people in America to decide law for s large swaths of people. For decades. Yeah, it's a lifetime yeah. appointment. Yeah. And if, if this nomination somehow cratered, he would still have a lifetime appointment as an extremely powerful federal judge. 
So when people keep bringing up presumption of innocence and due process about Brett Kavanaugh, it 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 rings hollow to me as merely digging in your heel, heels as a partisan because so many of the people saying this do not give a damn about due process or the subversion of it when it has to do with so many other cases of mm-hmm. federal or law enforcement overreach when it comes to people who are not named Donald J. Trump or Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent point to end with. Um, I'd love to continue, but out of time. Thanks so much for coming in, Aswin. Aswin Subsang. Uh, you can follow him at thedailybeast.com on Twitter too, right? At Swin24. At Swin24. There you go. Kevin Robiar joins us next from HuffPost. Hang in there. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. Thanks again, Aswin. This is The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends. Bill Press here. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. I want to be sure you know my new book is out. Uh, Not so subtle. The title, Trump Must Go. The top 100 reasons to dump Trump and one, maybe, to keep him. It's available anywhere books are sold. Um, Best place to get it is go to our website, billpressshow.com. Special discount there for ordering the book and a way that you can add your own reasons to dump Trump. Let's do it now. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Okay, let's hear it for Amazon. Yes, indeed. Yesterday they said $15 minimum wage to every employee, full time, part time, interns, everybody. They get $15 minimum wage. Would that more companies and would that the federal government follow their example? Or, hey, what do you say? On a Wednesday, October 3rd, hello, hello, hello. Great to see you today. And thanks for tuning in here. Thanks for joining us, the Bill Press Show, as we uh, boom out to you live from the capital of the free world, Washington, D.C., with all the news of the day. Uh, for once, it is not just Kavanaugh news. Um, bombshell story on the front page of the New York Times about uh, uh, Donald Trump, the self-made billionaire. That's that's total phony, total <laughs> fraud. Not fake news. It's the fake billionaire, they point out. He got it all from his daddy. Uh, they've got his, they were able to get a, a hold of his daddy's tax returns. Now, if we could only get a hold of Donald Trump's tax returns. So we'll take a look at that, uh, all plus the latest on Kavanaugh and the latest on the midterm elections. Uh, with our friend Kevin Rubiar from HuffPost, senior political reporter. Kevin, always good to see you. Thanks for good coming in. Busy days, huh? Keeping us all busy, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. It really is. The, uh, the New York Times article that you mentioned had its own little, like, three- or four-hour news cycle yesterday, and then uh, Trump may have stepped on it with his comments <laughs> about Christine Blasey Ford at the rally. Yeah. But uh, it seems like those two things are sort of dominating the conversation this Indeed. Morning. So that's where we go, and we look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the news of the day uh, on Twitter, at BP Show. Well, I'll jump into it together, but first. 
Peter this here. is the Full Court Press. All right, just a couple of other stories making news. Now, back in January, a woman by the name of Maya Gabiera, she uh, entered a surfing event in Portugal. It happened to be the site that she suffered a very serious injury back in 2013, and she did very, very well. She surfed a very, very big wave. Again, this was back in January. Well, just yesterday, the Guinness Book of World Records announced that it was the largest wave that a woman has ever surfed. She surfed a 68-foot wave. No. Can you no. imagine? Can you imagine? Jesus. That's no. horrifying. That's a tsunami. Yeah. No, I, there's no, absolutely no way I get in, the, in that water. But she went oh. out there. She surfed it. It is a new world record. So congratulations to her. Is that crazy? It's, just, I, I, it's nuts. I can't believe it. Bro. I, oh, all right. I mean, well, I've seen some big waves in Hawaii, people surfing out there, but 68 that's feet. a monster. 68 feet is what they finally uh, confirmed it as. We talked a lot about how Toys R Us was a dead brand. It was dying. Yeah. We knew it was going to be going away. Then it actually shut down. They laid off everybody. Well, it turns out they might be coming back. Yesterday, they announced that they are trying to restructure. They are shutting down the whole bankruptcy uh, procedures. They've brought back their iconic mascot, Jeffrey, the giraffe. And they are saying that they're going to try a new wholesale venture called Jeffrey's Toy Box. So it won't be Toys R Us in name, but it will be the same company, the same people running it, the same mascot, and all of that. Uh, and it's going to be operated out of their headquarters building in Indiana. And there's still some executives and employees who continue to work there. Uh, so they're going to push forward with this. Well, kids still like toys. Kids still like toys. And Got on to that, build an audience. On that note, there was a new survey to take a look at how we are going to spend the holiday. We're obviously going to spend it shopping. But... Americans will be boosting their spending by about 5% this year. 5%. So we'll spend That's 5%. That's the projection. That's the projection. Yeah. That's the projection. Mm -hmm. We're going to spend 5% more than we spent last year on the holidays. Well, I'll add to my list. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at BP Show. This is the Bill Press Show. Yeah, they're saying they could wrap up the FBI week-long probe uh, today, just four days later, and uh, then they would vote on Friday, and we will never get to see the FBI report. I told you the whole thing was a scam. Just to give cover to some people to vote, yes, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Hello, everybody. Here we go on a Wednesday, October 3rd, the Bill Press Show. Coming to you live, as always, from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol Building. The House is out this week. The Senate kind of lingering around uh, to see what Mitch McConnell is going to do in trying to force through a vote on Brett Kavanaugh before the end of the week. You know, Mitch McConnell's goal is to get the thing done before any more dirt comes out, um, which tells me that Mitch McConnell has got some dirt on Brett Kavanaugh he doesn't want the rest of us to know about. Joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. 
joining you on the radio. Hello, Chicago, on uh, the greater Chicago area on WCPT, and uh, good day to all of our good friends on Free Speech TV with us in studio. Kevin Robiar is a senior political reporter for uh, HuffPost. Uh, Kevin, it's good to see you. Great Thank to be you. On. This um, this New York Times piece is yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. I dropped it last night. It covers the front page today. Mm-hmm. But the essence of it is that Donald Trump's and you know during the campaign he kept saying mm-hmm. I built what I built I built myself mm-hmm. what I built I built myself. Uh, he called himself a self self made billionaire mm-hmm. that his father gave him a million dollars, which mm-hmm. is more than most of our parents yeah. gave us. Uh, but certainly in my case, but. Um, he turned it into $10 billion because he's so smart. He's mm-hmm. a genius. And according to the New York Times, after an exhaustive study mm-hmm. of his father's real estate portfolio, all the tax returns and everything, mm-hmm. that the whole story is phony. That, mm-hmm. in fact, Donald Trump got as much as $413 million from his father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, uh, what does this do to... Trump's reputation as this brilliant, successful businessman. I mean, it absolutely blows a hole in that reputation. Whether or not that trickles out to the American public who still has this image of Donald Trump as a self-made billionaire that the New York Times helpfully notes, the New York Times helped create that image, as did most of the media uh, throughout sort of the 80s and 90s. Good point. Oh, yeah. Um, He was a creature long before he even went to The Apprentice of mm-hmm. the New York media. Mm-hmm. and But, yeah, it really just destroys that image entirely. Uh, you can't you know, claim to be a self-made man when you inherited $400 million from your father. Um, although this wasn't direct inheritance. This was mostly in the form of different pass-throughs, some of which the Times suggest may be illegal, uh, which is quite the charge for the Times to make to essentially accuse the sitting president of a crime. Uh, which I think goes very far to show how thorough this reporting is, that that accusation, and it's in the lead, they say, including outright fraud, yeah, right. got past the New York Times' lawyers. Um, I, Good was, point. I right. was just sitting there astounded that they had that in the lead. That they the went story. so far. Yeah. Right. Uh, and already we saw, I saw one report this morning, one of the New York tax agencies has said mm-hmm. they're definitely going to be looking into this. Yeah, where, they, where have they been all this time, right? Yeah. And, and it, that makes the IRS look like a mm-hmm. bunch of chumps. Yeah. I mean, this is this is something that a lot of tr- the different reporting on Trump has exposed. Uh, white-collar criminal prosecutions or white-collar law enforcement, white-collar crime um, is woefully under-prosecuted in this country. Um, there are so many different things where Trump has skirted up against the law, um, this probably being the most glaring example. And just none of it has even really raised eyebrows. Um, if you remember, there was the one story about um, the Manhattan DA investigating two of uh, Trump's uh, children uh, for different crimes and then ultimately not prosecuting. But there's been a lot of just stuff where Trump has basically been skirting the law and getting away with it. But And he's not the only one. Is right. The real issue. So j- just a couple of highlights from this uh, for those of you just joining us. Um so the father, uh, Fred, uh, set up for his kids, but principally Donald. Donald was identified early on as, as a successor. Yeah. The, his successor, the the one who was going to take over mm-hmm. the business. So uh, he helped all of his kids, funneled money to all of his kids, particularly to Donald. So um, he had set up Fred 
295 different streams of revenue mm-hmm. <laughs> or schemes of revenue uh, to funnel money to, to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, which resulted and starting very early. Uh, Times points out by the age of three, Donald Trump was getting $200,000 a year. It's yeah. not bad for yeah. uh, I, I think as a, a toddler, you could sort of get along with 200 grand mm-hmm. a year. Yeah. Um, you get a lot. You could buy a lot of things at Toys R Us with that. Yeah. <laughs> there you could. <laughs> I mean, considering that you don't pay for anything when yeah. you're three, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got two hundred thousand a year. By the age of eight, he was a millionaire. Mm-hmm. In his forties and fifties, he was getting five million dollars a year from mm-hmm. his father. Mm-hmm. Right. I could get by on that too, right? Mm-hmm. Can uh, I say the the other thing that's amazing about this is as much as it's Trump's myth. Trump has also built this myth where he was like, yeah, Fred Trump was successful, but not that successful. No, right. Yeah. Fred Trump was wildly successful based on what this is – based on huge, this reporting. Huge, huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, right. Which I just think is also interesting that Trump's been kind of so, crapping on his dad all this time. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, 295 streams of wealth, including – okay, there was um, a Starrett City real estate investment. Uh, from that one, Trump – Donald Jr., president, got twenty. Million six hundred and seventy three thousand two hundred seventy seven dollars. It's a nice little mm-hmm. flow, right? Uh, interest on loans to his father's buildings seven million eight hundred twenty seven thousand. So, so he had all of these different funnels coming mm-hmm. in, ways of funneling money to mm-hmm. his son, and it ended up four hundred and thirteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, unbelievable. So, um, I guess to refute this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sarah Huckabee Sanders did last night in a statement basically saying, this is the failing New York Times, yeah. refusing to report the good news, and mm-hmm. blah, 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 and they owe us an apology. Mm-hmm. I mean, give me a break. It was a, it was a classic non-denial denial. It classic, classic. Didn't, didn't, so didn't argue with anything. In response to this, I, I, I would imagine today, I looked at the schedule, it's not, it's not scheduled yet, but I would imagine today that Donald Trump is going to hold a news conference and release his tax returns. <laughs> Yo, oh, yeah, man. Highly doubtful. <laughs> sure. Highly doubtful. Um, I don't think we're going to get um, a look at Donald Trump's tax returns until, assuming Democrats take back control of the House, until a new uh, we have a new chairman of the House Oversight Committee. So. Uh, but but you bet that that's going to be uh, yeah yeah that's going to be one of the first mm-hmm. one of the first priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not sure what happens to this. We'll see if the IRS takes any action. If the New York mm-hmm. Uh, you would think the New York Attorney General would be yeah, all over this. The New York Attorney General. The other, I would also look for the House Oversight Committee. Uh, I think this is the type of thing that they could start looking at, and, and should. And you know, these are the type of headaches that Republicans are worried a Democrat-controlled House Oversight Committee could cause the Trump administration, particularly as he's running for re-election. Right. They'll have the ability to basically do what Republicans did with Benghazi, where you know. Oh, the president's under investigation. The same way Republicans were able to say, "Oh, you know, Hillary Clinton's under investigation." Right now, I'm interested. I'm interested in hearing from you because you really uh, are on top of the uh, the, the midterms, and we're mm-hmm. what thirty days away now, mm-hmm. uh, roughly, um, both House and Senate. And I'm curious about the impact of uh, the Kavanaugh hearings and the Kavanaugh vote mm-hmm. uh, on on the midterms. But first, uh, I, I I noticed you. You've been looking at it's not just Senate Democrats who are calling for a delay in the Kavanaugh vote, mm-hmm. right? It's 
some of the Republic or some of the gubernatorial candidates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why? And, and particularly some of the Republicans. I mean, there are this group of East Coast Republican governors who are all fairly popular in their home states. Um, in some of them, in some cases, very popular in their home states. Larry Hogan, Charlie Baker, Phil Scott. Uh, Larry Hogan's from Maryland. Baker's from Massachusetts. Scott is from Vermont. They're all to different extent calling for delays. They were calling for the FBI investigation to be complete. And look, this is a fairly easy way for them to break with the Trump administration. Um, in some cases, you know, these people are not nearly as conservative as the Republicans in Congress. You know, particularly, I would say, in the cases of Scott and Baker. Uh, who are both fairly moderate guys. Baker basically governs as a liberal, um, and Scott is fairly moderate. Um, you know, So they don't necessarily want someone as conservative as Brett Kavanaugh on the court either. Uh, and look, it's an easy way for them to break with the Trump administration and show the voters in their home state, hey, you know, these Democrats say, I won't stand up to Trump. Look, here I am doing it. Uh, so that's part of the reason why they're doing it. And you know, part of it is you know, these people can recognize that this process has been nuts and um, that, like what Senate Democrats say, they think there's no reason to rush Brett Kavanaugh onto the court when these accusations are outstanding, so to speak. Right. So in in terms of particularly, uh, does the Kavanaugh hearing and the process have any impact at all on House races? So it's it's an interesting dynamic. Uh, While the Senate is the people doing the voting. Right, yeah. The people who might pay the price are really in the House. Really? Why? Because the people who this, in theory, enrages. And right now, we don't really have enough data uh, from polling to draw really firm conclusions yet. But right now, it would look that it's mostly women who are getting upset by this. And this is sort of the year of the angry female college graduate. Um, And to a certain extent, the year of the angry female voter in general. You've also seen some movement from non-college graduate women voters away from the president. Is that is that based on exit polls or what people have said in some of these primaries and special elections? Yeah, it's turnout. Yeah, it's based on that. It's based on just polling now. Okay. Um, You know, so there's some basis for Mm -hmm. coming to that conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. Whether or not they're actually being moved by Kavanaugh, we don't quite know yet, just because there hasn't really been enough time for particularly the the actual campaign pollsters to do mm-hmm. their polling. Especially since, since last Thursday's hearing. Yes, yeah, right. since last Thursday's yeah. hearing. So that and those people are really concentrated in the districts that are controlling the outcome for the House. They're really in the suburbs, which is where the battle for the House is being fought. The Senate battle is somewhat in the suburbs, you know. Uh, if you look at a state like Wisconsin, Wisconsin obviously has a lot of suburbs and there's a Senate race there. Uh, but it's also being fought in a lot of very rural area where it's more of sort of whether or not the Trump and the Republicans can convince his supporters to turn out again for a Republican who is not Trump. That's places like North Dakota, places like Indiana, although Indiana also has some suburbs, obviously. Yeah. Um, you know, you could go down the list. West Virginia. Um North Dakota is really one where Republicans are hoping that this can boost Kevin Kramer, uh, who's the Republican there, over Democratic Senator Heidi Heitkamp. Uh, So that's going to be one to watch. And Republicans keep saying that this is going to be an issue that's going to fire up their base. I'm curious about this. don't quite know that yet. Yeah, I'm curious about this. So the House members could pay the price more than the senators. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and, um, the House is certainly more likely to go Democratic than the Senate. Uh, Yeah. With many, many more seats up at yeah. play than Democrats 
have to win in order to take back control control of mm-hmm. the house, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and, and so it's it just what you're saying is it could be that women get pissed off enough at Trump, the Republican Party, the whole mm-hmm. process that they just go out and vote for the Democrat. Yeah. I mean, it's to be fair, it's not like any of these vulnerable House Republicans at the same time are standing up and saying, oh, let's delay the Kavanaugh hearings. Let's do no. a more thorough investigation. Let's get a new Supreme Court nominee. They get to separate themselves from that issue. I but haven't seen any House Republican try to do that, which I'm actually, now that I'm thinking about it, is a little surprising. You would think some of these uh, vulnerable yeah, House Republicans, yeah. someone like Eric Paulson, who represents a suburban district in Minnesota, might try something like that. Um, I mean, why others. wouldn't they? What do they have to lose, right? They don't have they don't have a vote. They're yeah. not going to be called to vote. It's right, possible so. that their calculation is that that would depress their own base too much. Um, but mm-hmm. who knows? Right. Uh, but as you just point out, carrying over to the Senate seat, to the Senate, there are now the three or four or five or whatever who are yeah have yet to declare mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. who have to be weighing its impact on their race i mean yeah. why else would they be holding why else would they be holding back yeah so if they've you look seen at... enough of kavanaugh to know mm-hmm. really whatever the fbi reports have so they've seen enough to kavanaugh to know whether they want him on the court or not yeah i mean wouldn't so, you agree yeah, yeah you're essentially looking right now at mansion uh joe mansion from west virginia heidi heitkamp again from north dakota susan collins uh who is not up in 2018 but is up in 2020 Lisa Murkowski, who is basically her own political animal, she is more or less free to do whatever she wants. Um, if you'll remember, Lisa Murkowski was abandoned by the Republican Party once and then won as a writing yeah. candidate. Right, Even right. though Murkowski so. is very difficult to spell. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you're looking at Jeff Flake, and, who is retiring. Right. So really— it's, the, a, it's a universe of five, yeah. right? And really there are three people there who are concerned about their elections. That's Manchin, Heitkamp, and potentially Collins. Collins uh, has indicated she's not sure whether she's going to run for re-election. She might have the most interesting challenge of the three. Um, there's been a lot of pressure put on her. There's been a lot of attention paid to this back in Maine. She's a very interesting figure in all of this. She has never been super popular with the Republican base in Maine. Her popularity has always come from independents, and she's had crossover repeal the Democrats. So she's been able to be a very formidable opponent. She's... You know, the last time Democrats went after her, she kind of trounced uh, the Democratic congressman who was mm-hmm. running against her. She's now in this position where she could end up infuriating the Republican base even more, where in that case she might have trouble getting through a Republican primary to be renominated, or she could irritate those independents and Democrats and maybe face a real challenge in the general election for the first time in a long time. So Collins is in a very, very tough pickle. Um, for Manchin and Heitkamp, they're in more immediate uh, danger. Manchin right now is doing very well um, in his race against Patrick Morrissey, the attorney general of West Virginia. Both uh, Republicans and Democrats agree that he's up. Um, he's not totally out of the woods yet, and you can't really ever be totally out of the woods in a state as Republican as West Virginia is at this point. Heitkamp, um, most Republicans and Democrats would admit she's probably trailing Kramer slightly right now. Uh, so her decision could also really pay a big impact. The other interesting thing there is Kramer, um, who has a tendency to sort of put his foot in his mouth, has made some comments yeah. about Christine Blasey Ford about sexual assault um, that really are the type of things that could fire up women voters. Um, and so it will be interesting if Heitkamp almost wants to vote no so that she can use those comments against Kramer. Uh, but we'll see. Right. Uh, I can't. I find it hard to believe that Joe Manchin's vote, that, uh, that, that 
a no vote on the part of Joe Manchin would jeopardize his chances in West Virginia because he is so popular there and former governor. I mean, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's a red state, but he's mm-hmm. an oddball in terms of, you know. Yeah, I mean, Manchin is his, this, his great cross-party appeal. Yeah, he's a unique political figure where his he is Joe Manchin. He is not a Democrat in the, to a certain yeah. extent. Yeah, uh, And I would find it hard to believe, too, particularly just because he has been leading Morrissey for so long and fairly consistently. Morrissey's campaign did put out a, an eternal poll of theirs showing the race tied uh, before Trump went there last week. What You know, you can take that poll with a grain of salt. It is an internal poll. Uh, but, yeah, it's... It'll be really interesting. Um, Democrats are very confident they have very good attacks against Morrissey is another thing that could help Manchin feel more secure. Morrissey is not from West Virginia, which is a very big deal in West Virginia. Uh, he's originally from New Jersey. He also has worked as a lobbyist in D.C. For, for a fairly long period of time. So Manchin has been sort of hitting him on both of those things and basically saying, you know, why is this? Why would we elect this lobbyist from D.C. to be uh, Now, we've talked a lot about the um, Senate races uh, over the last few weeks. And, um, you know, the the generally everybody agrees that um, the ones we've mentioned, you know, West Virginia, Indiana, Mm -hmm. Missouri, Mm -hmm. North Dakota, Montana are the toughest ones for Democrats. But they may have uh, some opportunity, an opportunity in Nevada. Mm -hmm. And then in Arizona, we talked about that. But then there are a couple of other surprise states that Mm -hmm. have come up uh, in terms of positive for Democrats. A chance in Tennessee, Mm -hmm. which they never thought. They, they, they mm-hmm. might have, uh, and maybe even a chance in Texas. Would you agree? I mean, is Beto really um, uh, in play? And it's Texas is really, really hard to say. Um, Texas is such an expensive state, and the way Beto is campaigning is so different than the standard model. He's not really spending very much on television ads. Um, is he saving it to spend later? He's saving some of it to spend later. He has been spending on television ads. At one point, I believe he was sort of thinking out loud and was like, I don't even know if we'll do television ads. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I but he, cl- he clearly at this point is doing them. Uh, so I think it'll be very interesting to see. He's putting a lot of money, it looks like, into field and grassroots organizing and a lot of money into digital advertising. That's partially because the only that's sort of the only way you can run in Texas if you can't raise the oodles and oodles of money that you need to be on TV all the time. Um, you've seen some Republicans come in to help Ted Cruz. Uh, the Club for Growth has been airing ads there. But you haven't seen either party really fully engage in Texas, and that could just simply be a matter of it being too expensive. Why didn't Obama endorse Beto O'Rourke? That's a really interesting question. Uh, I noticed that too. Um, there were sort of a few different. <laughs> it's hard not to. Yeah, yeah. conspicuous. Because uh, really, the the other big conspicuous absence was Keith Ellison. Right. And it's right. you know fairly obvious based on the allegations against Ellison as to why Obama might not. I want still to think it was CS on Obama's part, but at any rate. Uh... <laughs> um, so yeah, I think it's probably a calculation. I'm sure the Obama campaign or or you know Obama's political operation or maybe Beto's campaign, someone. The DSCC, I don't know, may have pulled and seen what kind of impact that would have, and maybe it would have had a negative impact. But yeah, it really did stand out to me. Um, it's also possible, you know, but, if I if I was Beto, I could easily see see him saying, "I don't want any outside help. I just want yeah. this to be a totally Texan but, thing." But but back to, uh, do you think Beto has a serious shot at Ted Cruz? I think he does. I think it's very hard to know truly how serious that shot is. Right now, if I were sort of evaluating this, I would say Phil Bredesen has a much better shot. Much better than, shot than, than Beto O'Rourke. Okay. Yeah. So those two 
uh, maybe surprisingly, are in play for in, that Democrats might pick up. Then we've got Florida, mm-hmm. and Florida suddenly mm-hmm. looks like it could be in jeopardy uh, with Rick Scott having so much money up against Bill Nelson. Mm-hmm. They had their, I think, one and only mm-hmm. uh, debate last night. Here's just a very short clip of how the debate ended, uh, Rick, starting with Rick Scott. Senator Nelson is a partisan politician that all he does is attack Republicans and defend Democrats. You know, Governor, you just can't tell the truth. <laughs> so clearly they don't like each other. Yeah. Uh, but um, is Nelson uh, in trouble? So it's interesting. There, For a long time, Republicans had really hyped up Florida. Um, there was a memorable quote where the head of the Senate Leadership Fund, which is the big Republican Senate super PAC, said, Democrats are going to uh, leave Bill Nelson with a canteen and a pistol because um, we're going to outspend them so much in Florida that they're <laughs> going to have to abandon him. That clearly hasn't happened. Uh, Democrats have withstood um, a time period where sort of Scott and his allies were just massively, massively outspending Nelson on television. At this point, it's Scott has a slight advantage in terms of what he's spending, but Nelson is fairly close. So really that plan to sort of blow him out of the water hasn't worked. I would say Democrats are feeling better about this race. Mm-hmm. Um, look, Nelson isn't an ideal candidate at this point. Um, he, you know, is being polite. Yeah, he isn't, you know, <laughs> yeah. the young, dynamic figure some people might like in a no. state like Florida. One thing that a lot of people think is helping him, which people weren't counting on, is Andrew Gillum winning the gubernatorial nomination there. Bingo. Uh, Gillum has an ability to fire up African-American voters in a way Nelson or Gwen Graham um, who also probably would have been favored in the gubernatorial race, doesn't. Um, and that hopefully can bring out more voters for Nelson as well. Um, and that really, you know, you started seeing Gillum had a fairly consistent lead in polling um, for a while. I don't think he's uh, trailed in any of the polls of the gubernatorial race yet. You're starting to see Nelson having similar leads, not quite as big as Gillum's, but the polling has started to become pretty consistent with Nelson having a fairly small lead. That said, it is Florida. Rick Scott still has a ton of money. Um, if you know, I believe Rick Scott in the final two weeks of his gubernatorial election or his gubernatorial re-election back in twenty fourteen spent about fifteen million dollars in two weeks, which is a, such a, a absolutely insane yeah. amount of money. He's such a sleazeball. But also uh, a little bit of help uh, riding uh, coming to the rescue, maybe a Bill Nelson and others yesterday where um, Mike uh, Bloomberg Mm -hmm. announced that he is giving $20 million to Mm -hmm. the Democratic Senate PAC for help Mm -hmm. Senate race, the most important Senate races. That's Um, a huge infusion of cash. Yeah, it's a huge infusion of cash. Which will probably go to races like, Mm -hmm. where they have to make a difference, Florida, Mm -hmm. uh, Georgia perhaps, Mm -hmm. uh, who knows where else. Yeah, Yeah, it's a really uh, big deal. particularly because it basically offsets uh, Sheldon Adelson gave a somewhat similar amount, I'm forgetting if it was $20 million or $25 yeah, million, yeah. to uh, Senate Leadership Fund. Uh, basically, just canceling that out means Democrats will have something close to parity, maybe even a small advantage. Uh, I would have to look closer at the numbers. The one thing I would also worry about for Democrats is Bob Menendez in New Jersey. Hmm. Uh, I've heard some increasing grumbling and worries about that race. No one really thinks in the end Menendez is going to lose. It's too blue of a state, and this is too blue of a year. For Bob Hugan, who is the pharmaceutical executive, which also pharmaceutical executives aren't very popular, and Trump supporter, Trump supporters aren't necessarily popular in New Jersey, uh, who's running against him, 
Uh, to well, on the other win. hand, Bob Menendez isn't necessarily yes, very. He's talkative. a criminal. Can you yeah. imagine? Can you imagine if Democrats win Texas, win Tennessee, win Nevada, win all these red state Democrat races? Joe Donnelly, Heidi Heike, and all that, and then Bob Menendez loses in New Jersey. I would lose my mind. I mean, vote for the crook. It's important. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. That is for those that don't know. I believe that was David right. Duke. And yes, Edwin and Edwards. Um, I covered that race. Yes. <laughs> Vote for the crook. It's important. That uh, was the bumper sticker in support of Edwin Edwards against the Nazi KKK David Duke. Mm-hmm. But New Jersey's a tremendously, <laughs> tremendously expensive state to advertise in. You basically have New York of, and Philadelphia. New York and Philadelphia TV, two of the most <laughs> expensive television markets in the country. Right. And in both, you're also mostly advertising to people who can't even vote in New Jersey. Um, so it's a yeah. it's a situation where you're really like setting a lot of money on fire in order to reach the voters you need to. So I would I would be a little worried about that in that that will suck up some of that money from Bloomberg mm. and thus that can't go to help Bill Nelson, can't go to help Heidi Heitkamp, can't go to help Christian Cinema. Yeah. Hey Kevin, thanks uh, so much for coming in. Thanks for keeping on top of all this for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is uh, HuffPost, of course, HuffPost.com. From Politico, back at Politico, uh, covering the White House, Ben Schreckinger. Haven't seen him in a while. Be good to have him back. He's coming up next year on the Bill Press Show. So stay with us. We'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Continue with the news of the day and your comments on Twitter at BP Show. Thanks, Kevin. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast. Search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes and catch the highlights from every show. How about it on a Wednesday, October 3rd? Good to have you with us, and it's good to be here on our studio on Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the International Association of Iron Workers, the great members of the Iron Workers Union. Remember Randy Bryce, Iron Stash. He's one of the uh, those congressional candidates, Democratic candidates for office that President Obama has endorsed, running for Congress out in the district now held, or the seat now held by Speaker Paul Ryan. Uh Randy's an iron worker, iron stash. That's his nickname again. Uh, check out the iron workers. They are building our communities today, ready to rebuild America's infrastructure tomorrow. Their website, ironworkers.org. Uh, while you're online, let me remind you, today's a good day. Go to our website at billpressshow.com and check out my latest book, Trump Must Go, 100 Top Reasons to Dump Trump and One to Keep Him. Um, and one of the reasons going for the website today, BillPressShow.com, not only to find out how you can get a copy of the book, a signed copy of the book, and where they're available, but also to add your own reasons. That's our one page there where you can add reasons for dumping Donald Trump. Uh, I've added already a couple today. He uh, mocked Christine Blasey Ford last night. And according to, uh, as we've seen in the New York Times, he's been lying all along about being a self-made millionaire. Check out BillPressShow.com. Join me in saying hello and a welcome to Ben Schreckinger from Politico, covers the White House for Politico, in studio with us. Hello, Ben. Hey, Bill. How are you? Last time we saw you, you were being chased out of and banned from Donald Trump rallies during the 2016 campaign. And now you're back at the White House. Does he know you're there? I haven't. I'm just starting on the beat. I haven't showed up at the White House yet, so yeah. oh, okay. uh, it'll be a pleasant surprise for the president. <laughs> when he spots me in a gaggle when he sees you. He'll say, "Who let you in?" Right? Yeah. 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 Hopefully that there won't be even a during the campaign. Though. I forget. Did it ever get around to where you were allowed back into campaign rallies? 
Oh yeah, yeah. By the end, I was flying oh. on the press plane and, oh, okay. and wasn't having a problem. But with he didn't access. like the stuff you were writing, right? I mean, that wasn't mostly that it? mostly not some. Uh, yeah, mostly his comments about my pieces were were very critical, <laughs> and about me were critical. But he named you, as I recall, right? That's a rally. The, the, oh yeah, a few times. <laughs> Badge of honor, I hope. Yeah, you, I mean, at least he's, he's reading, right? We, we, we'll take all the readers we can get. Yeah, damn right. And all the publicity you can get, good or bad. So last night, Ben, uh, you, uh, I'm sure, not down there in Mississippi, but uh, the president surprised a lot of people because after showing um, unusual restraint in uh, dealing with uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, uh, even saying that she was credible just a few days ago, uh, last night, took the gloves off and decided that, like other women, he's just going to mock the hell out of her. Here he goes. I had one beer. Oh. Well, yeah. do you think it was... Nope, it was one beer. Oh, good. How did you get home? I don't remember. How'd you get there? I don't remember. Where is the place? I don't remember. How many years ago was it? I don't know. I don't know. And the crowd loves it, I guess, uh, obviously. So, uh, I mean, it's just, it just bothers me that... All these women in the crowd there are laughing at him and cheering at him, mocking this woman who's accused of accusing someone of sexual assault. <clears throat> but uh, he continues in the same vein because he he knows the crowd loves it. What neighborhood was it in? I don't know. Where's the house? I don't know. Upstairs, downstairs. Where was it? I don't know. But I had one beer. That's the only thing I remember. Is this helpful? Probably not. Uh, there are a handful of senators who will be deciding Kavanaugh's fate, uh, including Jeff Flake, Susan Collins, uh, Senator Murkowski. And I don't think the three of them, uh, for example, uh, are going to take kindly to that kind of, a kind of treatment. There may be senators in the caucus who agree with Trump's treatment there uh, of Dr. Ford. Um, but I don't see how that helps helps Kavanaugh get through. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the names that you mentioned, and we, we've talked so much about the four or five people who still may be undecided. And, and they're, but, but, you know, the, the one thing they're not, they, they may not, they may end up voting for Brett Kavanaugh, but they don't want to see this woman trashed, right, or mocked or made fun of, whatever. I mean, they want to see her treated with respect and taken seriously even though in the end they may decide it's not sufficient for them to vote no. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, yeah. Right. And and beyond the the audience of senators, there's also just the audience of midterm voters that this probably isn't helpful with. Um, then again, I you know, we all sat around, all every political observer uh, sat around for a year and a half while Trump was running for president and said this or that outrageous outburst uh, not only wasn't helpful, but maybe would sink him, and, and you know, he ended up winning. Uh, so it does seem that there's a certain amount of license that Trump gets from a certain segment of voters to do things like this. Right. But clearly, it seems to me that some people in the White House early on must have told him, because it was unusual the way, the, the, how restrained he was in the beginning, and some people might have said, no, no just cool your jets, you know, don't don't say anything negative about her. Let the senators, you know, handle this, right? But he can't. Basically, he can't help himself. That uh, seems to be what happens, especially when he gets worked up, when he gets out there in front of a big crowd of his supporters, uh, 
and he feels like he knows what will play in the room. Right. Um, the, the president also said something very unusual yesterday. Uh, on his way out, and as, as, as you know, um, and like you, I'm a, mem- I'm a member of the White House Press Corps, we don't have briefings anymore. They haven't called one. There may be one today. We don't know yet because he's not going out of town. But I think there were two briefings in the entire month of September you know, by, by the press secretary. So where the president usually, and we get comments from the White House, either directly from him or someone else, is when he's on his way out to Marine One. He loves stopping to reporters and talking, which he did yesterday on his way to Marine One going up to Philadelphia. Uh, and so what lesson, the question is, what lesson does he draw from this whole Me Too movement and all the accusations, whether it's Bill Cosby or Les Moonves or... Kevin or Brett Kavanaugh or, you know, Bill O'Reilly or whatever over the last year or so. What lesson do you draw from this, Mr. President? What lesson should we draw from this? Is this a, a time? Does this mean that women are finally being taken seriously? No. Here's Donald Trump's lesson. It's a very scary time for young men in America when you can be uh, guilty of something that you may not be guilty of. This is a very, very, this is a very difficult time. That's the meaning of the Me Too movement. It's a scary time for young men. And I think... Like you. Very scary. Um, I think there was a follow-up question. Well, what about what about women? And he said, oh, they're doing great. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so that is that is Trump's take here. Uh, again, is that going to... It probably isn't going to help uh, getting educated women to vote for Republicans in the midterms, which is a demographic... Uh, that they are fighting for, fighting to keep in some cases, uh, suburban moms. Uh, but that is that is Trump uh, saying what he feels. It looks like the, the, the you're right. I mean, this key demographic uh, that even Kevin Robiar Alaskas was confirming and everybody seems to point out is g- going to be key, particularly in the House races, um, that these are women who... A surprising number of them did vote for Donald Trump maybe in 2016. Maybe like giving him a chance, right, because he was going to shake up Washington, whatever. They didn't like Hillary. Uh, for whatever reasons, they said, okay, well, we'll take a role for Donald Trump. And and what's the reality that maybe they're just starting to second guess that and this doesn't help, Right. Right. Yeah. They may be switching sides uh, in November. They may be staying home uh, and discouraged uh, in greater numbers. Uh, It has been a frustration uh, of the NRCC and the NRSC. Uh, The Republican Congressional Campaign Committee and the Republican Senate Campaign Committee, for those of us the people all over the country who don't live in the alphabet soup as we do. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Excuse the jargon. <laughs> uh, but the, the, this demographic has been a tough one for them. Uh, you know, they were uh, scared to death of the prospect of uh, those 11 Republican men on the Judiciary Committee questioning Ford uh, themselves, uh, which is why they ended up bringing in that female prosecutor to question her instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, but But clips like the one... Uh, the the two that Trump gave them yesterday on this issue uh, probably can only hurt them with this demographic. Yeah. Meanwhile, what's happening um, with the 
by the way, there is still a Mueller investigation going on, right? By the way, haven't talked about it in the last week or so. Is it because you th- Robert Mueller is um, certainly we've been consumed by Kavanaugh? Has Mueller deliberately tried to, to try to low key things during the midterm so he's not accused of, you know, playing politics, or is this just we've been too busy with other stuff? I mean, Mueller just continues right to do his job. Yeah, we we do not know uh, whether Mueller has decided not to make any more big public moves, especially indictments before the midterms. Uh, there is a Justice Department guidance that that says roughly sixty days before an election, uh, don't do any, don't make any politically sensitive moves uh, as a prosecutor. Um, Most people um, comply with that, except uh, James Comey did not in 2016, of course, famously. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there was a uh, there was that whole Comey saga um, that may be contributing to uh, a, a decision by Mueller not to make any moves before the election. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, it's not clear that that really applies to anyone other than um, a candidate for office. It's not really clear if that guideline, if you're indicting someone. Uh, who's politically relevant but not on the ballot in November, uh, whether that 60-day moratorium applies or not. Uh, so Mueller still make may make moves between now and Election Day. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious that no matter if he does do that, no matter what, Republicans will cry foul, say that he's violating this guideline. Uh, but there's a, a decent chance, at least, that he indicts uh, between now and the and the midterms. Uh, and a lot of the smart money is on the next indictment being of Roger Stone. Um, Whoa. So, but, but Stone hasn't even been brought in to be interviewed yet, has he? I, I mean, people around him have, I know. Right, yeah, and there's part of, part of the issue with timing here is that there was an associate of Stone that was resisting a grand jury subpoena, um, and so there was uh-huh. some thought that that Mueller's team wanted to hear from this associate of Stones before they uh, crossed the T's and dotted the I's on an indictment. Again, this is all informed speculation. There may be no indictment of Roger Stone that ever comes, um, but there also may be one that comes before Election Day. Uh, by the way, I just have a, a little sidebar here. Peter, I forgot to tell you this, but um, I, um, Carol and I were guests of, of some friends dinner at their home in Alexandria, um, their condo in Alexandria over the weekend, and um, it's a new building for them, beautiful, beautiful building, and um, they're we're walking down the hall, and they pointed out their next door neighbor. Oh boy, Paul Manafort. Oh Yikes. whoa, whoa, yes. Were they there for the raid? Uh, no. No, they just do. They live in. in a jail cell. Since <laughs> that's apparently where Paul Manafort will be living. But uh, that's Manafort's home. So I, all I could think about was the raid and about you know when he was uh, in house arrest. I'll tell you one thing: he was in house arrest in a mighty, mighty beautiful house, uh, and it's also probably a house that he or could be a house that he'll never see again. Yikes! Yeah, I mean, yeah. If Any, he, I was, uh, it, how are you gonna say it was creepy? <laughs> Just to walk by his door was creepy. The the uh, teenager in me wanted to knock on the door and say, uh, <laughs> "Is Paul home?" <laughs> I didn't do it. No. Probably for the best. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bad taste to say the least. But at any rate, <laughs> I just had to 
mentioned you maybe think of it when you yeah well if you if tell your uh tell your neighbors to keep their eyes and ears open (laughs) and get in touch if they see or hear anything (laughs) okay and if i if they do i'll call you please do yeah yeah. no rogers back to rogers stuff he has skated he's escaped you know for so long and yet he's right in the middle of all of this right i mean he's admitted that he was talking to WikiLeaks talking to Julius Assange. He knew who Lucifer Two was. Lucifer Two, I guess. Lucifer Two, or at least he, he yeah, yeah, he was in touch with him. Right. Yeah. So he was very much a player in. It seems that any any connections with the emails or with the hacking or. Uh, yeah. Go get him. <laughs> so he yeah he uh, yeah he texted me and I'm sure several others a video last night of him. Oh, must have been down in Palm Beach where he where he lives, uh, standing out, complimenting himself on how he looked, and uh, talking about how uh, he was being framed by Mueller and the deep state and needed to raise money for his defense. Uh, so he he is someone who, if he goes down, is going to go down in a defiant way. Um, uh, people who know him say say that there's a, a sense in which he wants to get indicted. You know, this is someone who demanded to have a hearing before Congress. Um, he loves the spectacle of it, and he loves making a spectacle of it. Um, so certainly, uh, will be in for fireworks if he's indicted, and if uh, and if there's a trial of Roger Stone. It is the um, opinion of several friends of mine in the press corps that uh, the next one, in addition to Roger Stone, who is a target, is Donald Trump Jr. Have you heard that? or I have heard that. I heard that from a, uh, from a friend of the president who didn't hear it from hmm. the White House side, heard it from the justice side. Uh, but that uh, that is, you know, rumors are, are flying around Washington. I wouldn't put uh, yeah. too, too much stock in any secondhand rumor of any sort. Um, Obviously, there was a time when Jared Kushner uh, seemed to be the one whose time in the barrel uh, was coming next. That was last year. Kushner has really lowered his profile uh, since then. Uh, and since then, uh, the Trump Tower meeting that, that Don Jr. Mm-hmm. helped arrange uh, has has emerged, first of all, has, has been the, the New York Times reported on it so that we knew it existed, since then has become... Uh, has sort of loomed larger in trying to understand Trump-Russia connections. Uh, so it, it, in some ways it would make sense if Don Jr. were next or if there were some criminal uh, jeopardy uh, that Don Jr. was in right now, um, but can never overstate how monumental and shocking it, it would be uh, oh, to have yeah. the, the son of a sitting president indicted. But yeah, and imagine what Don... Don Father, Donald the Father, would his reaction to that would be if you think we've heard him attacking Mueller or attacking the Justice Department or attacking Sessions and all the rest yet so far, right? If that happens, it would be uh, <clears throat> Mount Vesuvius. By the, so uh, related to the Justice Department, last week we all thought there was going to be the big showdown with Rod Rosenstein, right? He was going to be dragged into the White House Thursday. Uh, and maybe fired or kind of whatever, and then they delayed the meeting until this week. I haven't heard anything of you about any meeting this week, or is it still on, or have they just said, have they walked away from this? I'm not sure. It's super unclear uh, 
this whole saga has sort of been unclear from the start, uh, starting with that New York Times report that Rosenstein uh, talked about wearing a wire on the president. Yeah. Unclear who who the sources were that were for that, whether or not there was some agenda uh, that they were pushing in a leak or whether this is something the Times organically heard about. Um, Rosenstein said it was a, a joke. Uh, the the White House initially downplayed it, said ignore this. We you know we don't think that Rosenstein would have done or considered something like this. Then very quickly it was Rosenstein's about to get fired. Yeah, he was brought in for this meeting with John Kelly and right right. Axios reported that he had had verbally resigned. There were other reports that it was more like an offer of a resignation and that nothing really had been decided. Uh, the president, despite uh, becoming famous for saying you're fired to people on TV, <laughs> actually does not enjoy and avoids uh, having to fire people face to face. You know, he famously deputized his bodyguard, Keith Schiller, to go deliver a note to the FBI mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. that Comey had been fired. He couldn't tell Comey over the phone or face to face. So Rosenstein may hang on for some long period of time uh, just because Trump doesn't have the stomach to to fire him um, or even to accept a resignation because of some of the implications there. Um, or he may have convinced the White House that this story was overblown or, or was not fully accurate in the way it framed whatever he said. Um, so his uh, just a, another one of sort of the question marks looming over uh, this this special prosecutor's probe over the administration over the you know the future of the country. Right. And so how long do you believe uh, after the midterms it will take before Jeff Sessions is out as attorney general and Lindsey Graham is in? Well, it could be Graham. That would that would that would explain Graham's uh, about face in recent months on Trump, which has been pronounced dramatic uh, and the subject of huge, huge amounts of speculation in yeah, Washington. I, what, you I, know, what is going on with this guy? Right. I have to say that was that, that was two job interviews, not one. Right. One job interview was Brett Kavanaugh being interviewed for the Supreme Court. The other was Lindsey Graham being interviewed for Attorney General. And Lindsey, that Lindsey was, I'm sure. I said this on the air. He picked up the phone right after that hearing. He said, "How'd you like that, Donald? How'd you like that, Mr. President? Did I do good?" <laughs> you know, that's clearly what he wants. He's he has almost flat out said it, right? That yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, but the big question is: Is he going to hold on to Sessions? I mean, Donald, how many how many, how many times can he beat up on Sessions without firing him? The conventional wisdom is that after the midterm, Sessions will be gone. Uh, not long after the midterms. Um, can't ever predict anything uh, in politics with certainty. People expect Sessions to be gone. Real question is what happens to Rosenstein? I mean, for yeah. for purposes of the Mueller probe, what happens to Rosenstein? Um, and, you know, what does the new attorney general think about how the probe should be overseen and... and uh, how much leeway it should be given. You know, Peter, uh, Sessions, I think there's a vacancy in the um, the KKK in Alabama. I sure, think. yeah, they'd yeah. love him. They'd take <laughs> him in a heartbeat. <laughs> uh, I don't think he'd become a lobbyist here in Washington, but uh, but who knows? That could that could that could be the big shakeup with Rosenstein. I mean, Sessions and Rosenstein, and what that would mean for Mueller if that happens after the midterms. Um, 
Yeah. I well, know some people are cautioning Trump just to kind of leave things in place, but it's not his style. Yeah, and if there is a shakeup and the Democrats take the House, then we'll probably learn a lot about it in January when they get subpoena power, and we'll learn a lot about a lot of other things. In light of the uh, um, Trump, the New York Times, and the big story on taxes today, um, are we going to see Donald Trump uh, try to clear the air by releasing his tax returns? Oh, yeah, I'm expecting it any minute now. Oh, good. I guess you probably have your request in, don't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they may send it to me first. No, um, I'm sure he'll have a lot to say about this report in in, in due time, uh, but I don't think his response to it is going to be more disclosure or transparency about his personal finances. The, the failing, you know, the failing New York Times, right? It's going to be after them. And uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders last night uh, demanding an apology from the New York Times. The, the New York Times owes the president an apology because they dare write a critical story about uh, all the games they've been playing with taxes. Ben, it's awfully good to see you. Thanks for coming.